Hello and welcome to the In All Seriosity podcast. I'm Patrick Fueling and with me is Matt Mizak and we are part of the leadership team here at Grace Community Church. Matt, welcome. Hey, what's up? Well, we are going to talk today, Matt, on a topic uh, that seems to be pretty prevalent in our society and that mm-hmm. is doubt with our faith uh, and maybe uh, hit on topics like deconstruction and really what does this even mean as a Christian in yeah. today's world? So, yeah. Matt, why don't you if, start us uh, off? If you have social media, uh, you've probably seen this uh, either from articles saying uh, doubt and deconstruction are evil to uh, people going through it themselves. And uh, so this is a topic that I see, I don't know about you, but I see it all over my social media pages. I see it all over just uh, friends that, you know, are living through it. Uh, and so hopefully this will be a helpful episode to to kind of navigate some difficult waters. So yeah, it's uh, unfortunately yeah we see we see it all over as you as you mentioned uh, you know can people like Josh Harris who was a mega pastor uh, oh yeah you know wrote the I think the book on purity back in yeah, the nineties yep yeah. and then uh, guys like Rhett and Link who were comedians that uh, uh, were actually I think went to work for Crew and were going into evangelism and apologetics and uh, you know unfortunately they have you know fallen down this path as well too and I think it's just a matter of you know first we maybe need to talk a little bit about what what is deconstruction and what does this look like as um, as a Christian trying to walk alongside yeah. uh, individuals that are going through it yeah so about 2 or 3 weeks ago I read a really helpful book we were on vacation and I got to do nothing but read and I read a book called After Doubt uh, by a guy named AJ Swabado Swabada uh and the subtitle of the book is How to Question Your Faith Without Losing It and this book was just tremendously helpful. I would really encourage anybody to pick it up if you're, well, even if you're not dealing with this, uh, you will. So pick it up now. Uh, be prepared for that. Um, yeah, if you're not dealing with it now, y- you, you will. probably will at some point. <laughs> but even if if it takes you a while to get there, you're going to know somebody that oh, is. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the key things that we want to hit on today is, is not only how does this affect you, but how do you walk along and love someone else who's going through this? Uh, because it can be very... Uh, traumatic and damaging to yeah. uh, relationships, and um, yeah, I think it's important that we, you know, try to learn how to, how to just love people well in this process. Yeah, how do how do we be a church that creates space for people to go through uh, what they're going through and walk alongside them well and listen really well uh, and just love really well? So first, I think it's uh, important to kind of differentiate uh, where doubts can come from from for different people. Um, everybody has different experiences. Everybody, uh, even though it may lead to, to questions, those, those questions might stem from, from things like uh, somebody going through a traumatic experience uh, and really questioning the goodness of God, questioning where was God. More commonly, uh, particularly in recent times, we're seeing just a ton of uh, doubt and deconstruction stemming from church leaders who have failed, um, you know, people that, that went to Willow with Bill Hybels, people that went to Harvest with James McDonald and um, uh, Ravi Zacharias and Carl Lentz, and the impact that seeing your pastor or your leader um, just struggle with these um, profound and, and deep uh, and just grave sins in their life um, while, you know, putting on, a, putting on a face in front of their their congregation on Sundays, that can just be a really shaking experience for people, particularly when we equate pastors' roles with the role of God. Um, that can be really 
damaging. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's like they're being put on a pedestal yeah. and almost, uh, uh, you know, put in this equal level with God, and and they're not. And Mark uh, Driscoll, sorry, yeah, another one there too. You know, my brother's a pastor in Chicago, and he's just, you know, he can't, he's lost track of the number of people yeah. that have come to their church from Harvest or Willow that are just broken, just baggage. And yeah, yeah and it's just something that is, uh, it's tragic to see in the church yeah. that, uh, you know. But again, we are flawed, and we're all yeah. sinful. Um, but to put an individual on par with God is yeah. something it's easily, I can see how that happens, oh, yeah. uh, but it's something we have to really protect against. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's that, uh, then you kind of get into things like, um, you know, biblical contradictions and, and does, can I even trust the Bible? Things like theological questions, you know, um, it's, you know, does God, uh, if God is like this in the Bible, I don't really want to worship that God. Or, you know, if God uh, doesn't agree with me on this issue, um, then I'm just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, so there's all sorts of areas that doubt can stem from, and each one of those needs to be dealt with differently. So uh, to the person going through trauma or doubt because of trauma, uh you're not going to pull out your apologetic handbook and try to, you know, argue them back. Um, I, I would argue that you wouldn't do that for any of these cases, but... Um, I would agree. It's, it's, yeah. it's a grieving process that, you know, they're going through, and that's something that uh, we don't do well as, as a whole in society yeah. when it comes to grieving, whether it's yeah. trauma or death. Um, but it's something that um, really, at the end of the day, they, people want to just be heard and, and loved and, and listened to. Yeah. And unfortunately, and I'm guilty of this, is, you know, I want to have an answer and I want to just tell yeah. them the answer to it. Um, but that's something that I really have tried to work on is just listening to what the issue is first. Um, because, you know, we can't help somebody if we're just going to tell them what we think because our experiences are, very are completely different. different than theirs. Yeah. Just a basic level, um, listening really well. I know that's cliche, but listening really well, uh, giving space for people to to open up about their their struggles and their doubts without judging and without rushing to give an answer. Um, one of the things that uh, the guy who wrote this book, AJ Swaboda, was talking about, he's a pastor and a professor and a counselor. And um, when people come into his office, almost it seems like daily uh, to to talk about some of these issues after they kind of they they kind of spew what what is going on and why they're questioning and why they're doubting and he'll ask a really simple question, which I think is awesome. Uh, he'll, he'll ask, how are you inviting me to respond to this? And what that does is that just takes the, the anxiety, I think, out of the room. It just, it, it sucks it out of the room. Um, it allows space for that person to, to be heard and, and to be seen and rather than rushing to give an answer right away. So Matt, uh, as we get into some examples of what doubt is and what uh, deconstruction is, let's talk a little bit about first what deconstruction really means. And in some ways, it's a kind of a polite cover for demolition. Uh, deconstruction is taking something apart uh, piece by piece. Uh, now, if that if that was all that there was to it, where you were actually looking at something and determining are there things that need to be looked at, um, you know, the Bible tells us investigate those nuances yeah. that we have in our belief. But it doesn't say to just demolish everything that we've been taught. And, and, and unfortunately, what modern deconstructionism 
kind of means it's a replacement for things that they're uncomfortable tenants that maybe are not personally popular or culturally popular today. Yeah. And that's where a lot of deconstruction stems from. So yeah. I know there's kind of two contrasting views, Matt, with regard to um, how this is approached. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the two extremes that there are. Yeah, two, two extremes real quick, just to touch on what you said. There's a big difference between deconstructing um, a house and deconstructing the foundation of the house. Yeah, true. Um, one... The first seems appropriate, you know, when you want to rebuild a house, you got to get rid of the old house, uh, but usually you leave the foundation. But yeah, two, two common responses, two equally unhelpful responses, two extremes, and I'm going to lump these into categories that you may not like, and that's okay. Um, you know, send us an email, uh, but commonly on that's the... M-E-Z. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't email Pat, I guess. Email me. Um <laughs> Commonly, on the right side of the political spectrum, um, on the more conservative side of Christianity, you have a response to doubt and deconstruction that says doubt is evil, doubt is inherently wrong, uh, doubt is bad, and if you allow doubt into your life, you will walk away from your faith. Um, so that's, you know, again, I'm painting with a broad brush, but that, I would say, is... is um, is a common response um, to to kind of double down on truth, to offer quick apologetic responses right away, um, to demonize doubt as kind of antithetical to faith, um, and kind of a catchphrase that I would say would go along with this side would be, you know, if you really loved God, you wouldn't question him, or if you, yeah. Yeah, and that's where that's where active listening actually comes yeah. into play. I mean, unfortunately, we have too many people that are active talkers. And, yeah. and there was an article I think on Barna did recently about problems within the church, mm-hmm. and there's too many people that want to talk. Yep. And it kind of you know parallels our society. They want to get their point across, or they have a point to make, or when they're listening, they're thinking of the rebuttal versus listening to what the true issue really is. And so we would just encourage you, you know, be active listeners in this yeah. process. If your goal is to win an argument. Uh, you might very well win the argument, but the person is just going to be lost. So if that's your goal, I guess go for it. Um, but I don't think that that's the goal that we see in Scripture is to win. Uh, it's to point people to Jesus. So um, yeah, so that's kind of the first response on the right. Uh, then on the left, you have an equally unhelpful, um, and I'd say wrong, response to doubt, uh, which is it's almost uh, esteemed as a place of honor uh, to go through doubt. In deconstruction, uh, it's it's trendy. If I'm just gonna be honest, it's trendy. It uh, is popular, um, and I think on that side, you would say on the left side of the political spectrum and on the progressive side of Christianity, you'd say uh, doubt is required for a true Christian. Um, you know, things like unless you've evolved from your childhood faith, you don't really love God. Uh, you you don't really understand what the Bible is talking about. Um, so it's this kind of sense of evolving to something better, um, and, and that I think is just equally on wrong or uh, equally wrong and unhelpful. Um, and a lot of this in this book that AJ uh, talks about, um, he talks about the difference between deconstruction stemming from genuine questions, from deconstruction that stems from a place of, well, I want to do X. The Bible says X is wrong. Therefore, I'm going to throw out the Bible because I want to do X. And it's this, it's this way of placing your freedoms and your ability to do whatever you please above God. Um, 
and you know if i want if i want to do this and the bible says this is wrong uh, i'm going to throw the bible out because you know i want to do that so there's a big difference between deconstruction and doubt with genuine questions and doubt as opposed to how can i how can i do whatever i want that's i think a good a good difference um both are unhelpful both are dangerous and both make claims that scripture does not make um there's a quote by a guy named gk chesterton who says uh an inch is everything when you're balancing um an inch is everything when you're balancing and so it's so important to navigate the the middle way i would say uh the third way it's so important to navigate that well because truly an inch when you're talking about these kinds of extremes can be the difference between you know somebody walking away from the faith and somebody um you know loving jesus more closely on the other side yeah i mean you picture you know someone on like a tightrope and yeah. you know they're not going to sprint across that thing or they're going to fall off right yeah. um you know they take it slow and they have to take you know an inch in this case like chesterson's chesterson chesterson whatever his name is <laughs> <Try says. again. laughs> chesterton says say that 10 times fast yeah. um uh, to me it's just a great word picture of what yeah. this looks like because part of the problem too is in our our culture is we also we're a microwave society. We want answers yesterday. We don't want to wait for things. We don't want to process things. Yeah. We don't want to think through things. And that's really unhealthy when it comes to, especially when it comes to our faith. You know, there are so many things that we really should wrestle through. We should talk through. We should uh, just pray and think about. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things that as, a, as an individual that's going through this, our culture is pushing back on them and fighting them and these things. So, oh, yeah. um, but Matt, you know, how about, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the prodigal son because that actually kind of illustrates both sides of this in a way. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the things that I read that I, I thought, I don't know if he's right. And then the more I read it, I thought, you know, I think he's making a really good point. Um, so like you actually just said, uh, we refer to the story as the book of the, or the story of the prodigal son. Um, however, the story is the story of the prodigal sons, plural, um, because both the older brother and the younger brother are lost. Uh, and the older brother is lost because he stays home. And the younger brother is lost because he abandons home. And I think this represents these two extremes really well. Um, you can be equally lost by staying in what, what you know as somebody who throws away everything they know for something different. And so it's just so important to balance these really well. Um, we don't want to valorize or place doubt in a position of honor, uh, but we also don't want to keep people from doubting. Um, but we want them to find, be able to find God in the middle of that process and, and on the other side of doubt to follow Jesus more closely. Well, Matt, you know, how do we, how do we uh, do this well when it comes to uh, doubting you know, some aspects or all aspects or whatever parts that we're looking at uh, of our faith? What are some ways that uh, you think we can approach this in a way that uh, uh, is beneficial uh, for our walk with the Lord and, uh, or if we're walking along somebody who's going through this? First, it's just the recognition that that doubt is not um, doubt is not inherently wrong. Um, and a guy named Oswald Chambers actually, uh, who wrote uh, "My Utmost for His Highest." Some of you probably use that for your daily devotionals, but he wrote, uh, "Doubt is not always a sign that one is wrong, but it may be the sign that one is thinking." So, like, if you're not, can I just be really honest? If you're not doubting anything, uh, I don't think you're thinking very well. 
and I think it might be a shallow faith that that doesn't want to give in to thinking more deeply about things. And so you just you just go along with whatever you hear. Um and so just to be more thoughtful, I think, is the first step. Um but then just to create a space where where listening is important to where we can be honest with our struggles alongside of people of a community of people that that love Jesus together um and that you know I I preached on Psalm 22 a few weeks ago and the first line of that is you know my god my god why have you forsaken me and that sounds like a doubt an expression of doubt but that's an expression of trust mm-hmm. even though he says god why have you abandoned me he calls god my god and you know he goes to the person who he says has abandoned him uh that's a statement of trust but i think we would read that a lot of times if somebody said that today, I think we would read that as a statement of doubt. Um, so just changing our perspective a little bit on some of these issues is really important. Um, yeah, you know, Matt. Obviously, you know, you've worked with students, and and I have, and I have two kids. You're you're about to have your first. Yeah. Uh, but I tell parents, you know, they always wonder, well, why did my kid, you know, when he, when he or she left school. Why did they walk away from their faith, or yeah. why is this happening to Johnny or Susie or whatever? And you know, one of the things that I, I keep telling parents is, you know, give them space to ask questions, yeah. give them space to to doubt, because what happens so much is that you know we as parents take take our kids to church, which obviously is a good thing, but we take them to our church and we just assume that through osmosis or something like that, they're <laughs> going to automatically just believe what we believe yeah. because we took them there. Yeah, but then they're in in cultures like in a college environment or other secular environments where things are pushed back on them, where culture in some ways can be hostile to Christianity yeah. and that worldview. And if they haven't had time to have a space where they can answer, ask and have those questions answered um, without shame or... They're going to find a space somewhere. They're going to find it, yeah. And it, it's it, not going to be exactly, a healthy space. Exactly. Um, the Bible has answers. And even as a parent, I would just encourage, you know, if you're listening as a parent right now, it's okay to say I don't know, yeah. <laughs> because it's better than just putting your head in the sand and, and letting and assuming or giving them a shallow answer. That's true, yeah. yeah. Or assuming that somebody like Matt or or, or someone else or a youth, a youth leader is just going to provide them all the answers. Yeah. They want to know that it's okay to doubt, and 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 that's where again I just encourage parents and friends, hey, take that as an opportunity to walk walk alongside your student or your friend. And and look at it as an opportunity, as Matt said, to think, to yeah. think through some of these things and really be there for them. Yeah, I a few, well, actually a few years now, I was going to say a few months, but it's probably been three years. I put together a statement of of like a philosophy of youth ministry for us here at the church. And the last paragraph of that, um, that statement talks about um, the analogy of inoculation, mm. um, which I think is really helpful where you give them what what inoculation does is it gives you a, a minor dose of something that can be um can be harmful to teach your body to uh fight off that 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 disease um you know so when you get a flu vaccine you get a little dose of the flu to teach your body how to how to um combat it and if we as as the church are not giving doses of of really kind of hard things to talk about of of questions like if 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 one of the things i try to do in impact and crossroads all the time is to like talk about the contradictions in the bible um to present those so that the first time they hear 
this isn't from their college professor freshman year. Um, but to show them some of the explanations for the contradiction. But I think it's important to give them those doses in a space where they can actually learn to fight those things off, to, to learn how to respond to those things. Um, because they will get those doses eventually. It's just they might not be in a space that, that is healthy. The first thing I would say is that doubt and silence is really dangerous. The mind runs rampant in silence, in isolation. Um, questions and worries and anxieties, they fester and they grow, and it's a never-ending cycle. Um, so don't doubt in silence, uh, and that is an encouragement to, to the person going through it, but also to the community of people around this person um, to, to love, support, listen, and encourage those kinds of dialogues. And to be honest with the, the, the questions that we've had ourselves so that, you know, we allow people to, to, um, to go through these things. Um, I, th I think of a few passages like Mark 9, where the guy comes up to Jesus and he says, you know, I, I believe, but help me because I unbelieve as well. <laughs> help my unbelief. Um, that kind of mindset. Or things like in the Psalms where it says, out of the depths I cry to you, Oh, Lord, hear my voice. It's like everybody has these things. It's just what we do with them that's really important. Um, doubting with community is really important, not doubting in silence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what about when it comes to um, bad readings of Scripture and not the fact that I'm reading it in a poor way, but uh, just a, yeah. a misinterpretation of what it is that's being uh, read or written? Yeah. I mean, I, slavery comes to mind when when I when I think of something like this. Yeah, because in the 1700s, well, maybe even earlier than that, you had people that that supported slavery because of the way they read the Bible. Uh, you had you had people that that looked at some passages in the Bible that talked about slavery, which, first of all, biblical slavery is just very different to American, you know, Western slavery. Um, but you would read a verse in Exodus, and you'd say, "See." This is why I can have my slaves. Um, and then you have an entire group of, of people, of, of faithful Christians that say, wait, that is a terrible reading of Scripture. Uh, God does not support what you are doing right here. Um, and, you know, we can call it whatever we want, but that's a way of deconstructing the, the common thought of the time, um, which stemmed from a bad reading of Scripture. And so we have to have the freedom to question the bad readings of scripture of our day. You know, a hundred years from now, people are going to look back on, on the 2022 church and say, what were they thinking? You know, uh, how could they have missed the Bible so much in this area or this area? Um, so there's a big difference between deconstructing God, deconstructing faith, and deconstructing bad beliefs that we have. Um, so that's the second thing. And then the third thing I'd say it, and it's kind of related to that, is not to confuse dogma with doctrines. Um, you want to say anything about that? Well, you know, it's it's easy to do that because you can tie in your opinions uh, with yeah. that. And I think, again, it's it's easy to, um, in, in some ways, in today, it, 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 the church, it's not popular to be a Christian or it's not popular to follow some of these these um, these beliefs that the church holds. Um, so in some ways the church is a, um, uh, it's an easy punching bag yeah. you know, for some of these things. And then, you know, culture and popular opinion, uh, can take you away from some of those things. And then our opinions can, can infiltrate that 
And what happens at the end of the day is we we end up becoming God, or we yeah. think we are. And, yeah. and that's where I think some of these these issues take place. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier, how it's becoming very popular to be someone who deconstructs. But you're, in essence, putting yourself on par with God at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. You know, for a church community that's trying to to create a space for people to, to, to doubt well, it's really important to hold doctrines and dogma in very different hands. Um, because dogma, if you don't know what that term is, dogma is a word that's used to describe kind of the non-essential or the, uh, the non-negotiable beliefs of the Christian faith, things like the, the Trinity, things like the bodily resurrection of Jesus, things like a, a, a Christology of Jesus that says he was fully human and fully divine really just core like if you don't believe those things you know you don't have a christian faith so that's dogma and then doctrine on the other hand and you can pick up any theology book and you'd see this division of dogma versus doctrine um doctrine is things like teachings and and beliefs that maybe are established and agreed upon mainly within certain denominations uh, but they're not essential to the Christian faith, and people can have the freedom to disagree on and still um, be be faithful Christians. So, you know, the, the go-to example that I think of is, uh, how old is the earth? You have faithful Christians that say the earth is 6,000 years old, and you have faithful Christians that say the earth is 13 billion years old. Um, that is not a dogma of the Christian faith, and to to hold that much looser than we hold the bodily resurrection of Jesus is really important, um, because if somebody is 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 questioning those kinds of doctrines, the the lesser important, um, more freedom of 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 belief, that is very different than somebody you know doubting whether or not Jesus raised from the dead. Um, and so, not not be careful not to lump in dogma with doctrine. Because honestly, both both perspectives, like particularly in the young earth, old earth perspective, both both will point to the Bible as, um, you know, here's some evidence why I think this. Here's some evidence why I think this. Um, and so it's just really important to separate dogma from doctrine when it comes to doubt and deconstruction. It's also important when you have these doubts or when you're talking about some of the differences that maybe um, we have with, with uh, even doctrine and so forth. It's important to go to, obviously, go to Scripture, and it's yeah. also important to go to individuals um, that, that you trust, that you can have conversations with. Because, again, um, you know, a lot of times we just want to take what we read, whether it's on Twitter or social media, as, as, as fact. And, um, you know, the reality of it is most things that are on there are, are probably uh, yeah. for the same from that. Yeah, just Especially when Twitter, it comes to, honestly. yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So, um, yeah, I would just say um, ask those questions, you know, pursue people that you trust um, and have those conversations because, again, it, it will help you think. It'll help you uh, eventually work through um, the doubts that you may have, which is a good thing. And at the end of the day, the Bible has answers yeah. for what you need. Um, but we need to take the time to process, pray, and, and think and read through that to find them. Yeah. 
You want to read our uh, last killer quote from a guy with the coolest name in the world? Sure. So there was a guy named Rupertus Meldinius, who was a theologian, a uh, Lutheran theologian back in the 1600s. Yeah. And he's got a quote that I think kind of just sums up a lot of this meta we talked about. And basically what his quote is, is, in essentials, unity, and in non-essentials, grace. And so uh, basically what that means is, as Matt talked about, you know, dog- dogma is non-negotiable. It's the core yeah. beliefs of our faith. Yeah. Doctrine, uh, there are things that we can you know, have our disagreements on, we can have discussions on, as Matt talked about. Um, but again, it should not, those non-essentials should not come between us as yeah. a church, as yeah. believers within the church family. And so, um, yeah, so today we learned about somebody named Rupertus, who actually had an alias, ironically enough. I didn't know they had those back in the day. Well, but if your name was Rupertus, I think you'd have an alias too. Very much true. And uh, so he actually uh, was born in a town called Obercracker. So... Learn something new there too. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, anyway, so Matt, uh, you know that was a good discussion on doubt. I think it's uh, it's important that uh, we talk about this because again, uh, too many people are suffering through this in silence because they yeah. feel their shame, they feel they can't talk about it, and so we again just encourage you uh, to talk to somebody, talk to one of us, ask questions uh, of those that uh, uh, you feel comfortable talking to, and 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 just really think about what it is, uh, where your disagreement lies, go to the core issue and ask that question, you know, what is my doubt and where is that, that coming from? And then from there, you can pursue that. Yeah. And there's all sorts of different uh, resources and, and individuals, and we'd be happy to help you out with that as yeah. well. Yeah. So with that, uh, thanks for joining us for this episode of In All Seriosity. Uh, if you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please submit those to our website, which is www.gotgrace.info. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love it if you would share it and uh, rate us. Actually, it'd be great too. let us know how we're doing. Um, but be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And um, for more information about the church here at Grace, uh, again, please check us out at www.cockgrace.info. Until next time. <laughs>